Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and getting excerpts about the exception. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, and I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. How's it everyone? Welcome back to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. Today's podcast is endorsed by IAB South Africa. Since the power of native advertising is becoming more and more recognized, many experts predict that this is the year when advertisers finally jump on the native bandwagon. Also, many experts believe that 2020 will be a year of strategic partnerships between brands and publishers. It will provide a better route to collaboration on advertising campaigns and force creative studios to attract external experts to bring more value to their clients. My guest in the studio today is Rian Volmerans, Head of Digital Media at Arena Holdings. Rian has two decades experience in print and digital news publishing, having worked for publications such as The Mail and Guardian, Business Day and The Financial Times in the UK. Welcome to the podcast, Rian. Hi, good morning. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much. How's it going with you? Well, you know, it's uh, nice to be out of the house in this year, 2020. So uh, thanks for inviting me. No, it's like a long time coming. So, Rian, before we start, like with all our guests, can you please tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Of course. So, I'm Rian Vomerans. I'm the head of digital for the media titles at Arena Holdings. Uh, we are the publisher of uh, some of South Africa's best newspapers. Uh, we would say that, of course, but they really are, um, including Sunday Times, Business Day, Financial Mail, uh, The Sowetan. Um, but primarily, I focus on our digital titles, which include... Uh, Times Live, uh, Sowetan Live, Business Live, and then some of our smaller but no less important websites are, you know, the coastal newspapers like Herald and Dispatch. Um, and we also have Freya Wipplat in the fold now, our Afrikaans website, um, run by Max Dupree, of course. So it's a it's a big range of, of digital properties in our in our group, um, and I look after them across the across the various newsrooms and so on, um, looking after more the editorial and commercial side of our website. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you are not working, what's your pastime? I work in the media, so there's no not working. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but I'm a voracious reader, so generally, as soon as I have some downtime, you know, I delve into into whichever next book is on my is on my shelf, you know. And and uh, though I have a a specific uh, love for fantasy and horror and science science fiction, basically things that get me as far away from the news as I can. Um, I do like reading quite a lot of a variety also. Okay, that's good. Um, so, Rian, you and I had multiple conversations around um, what's happening in the publisher world um, and the role of native content. And I know native content is relatively new in South Africa uh, and it's picking up momentum as more brands embrace it in their media schedules, but um, I think there's often confusion around what native advertising is, and uh, it would be great for us to maybe unpack what, how do you define native content? Yes, thanks. So um, you're quite right. It is something that's, that's really kind of become uh, a useful tool for brands um, to include in their advertising schedules. And when we talk about native content or native advertising here, we refer to, as the name kind of says, their content. So in other words, 
um, it is someone coming to us as the publisher and wanting to publish w words with us or images rather than advertisements, to put it plainly like that. So in other words, you, it is the kind of advertising that, that you know, comes in the form of an article, a video, a podcast, um, any of these of these forms of media, and that we publish on our websites as we would our normal, regular, everyday news articles. Uh, and of course, the, the trick there is to have content that then appeals to the right audience um, and is in the right format and so forth, as we can explore. But in essence, that's what it comes down to. Instead of providing us with an ad, you are publishing actual content with us. What would you say is, so under the, the bucket of native advertising, what are the key components that is, is native content one piece of that? So I think just to maybe clear up the name, I mean, there's a few different names by which people call this, this specific category of advertising. Um, native content is one of them, paid for content, sponsored content. I mean, for us as the publisher, they do refer to the same thing. Um, and within that, as I said, you can have a different range of content types. Most of the native content we publish would be in the form of an, art of an article. But we also do videos, of course, um, and podcasts. Um, and you can include some other elements in there, for, for example, infographics, um, you know, picture galleries, all kinds of other elements of, that we might be publishing on our sites in a, in a news context also apply to native content. So there is a range of formats that you can consider. So Rian, um, in terms of the evolution of native content, we, we know that it started off in 2011 and has grown since. What has led to this growth? I think, you know, I mean, if you look back at, at the time before 2011, um, people publishing advertorial, as it was known back then, in newspapers was, was a very common thing for many years, you know. As a as a as a client, you would book a thirty by six column space in the newspaper for a certain day. You would you or your PR department or someone would provide some form of text to go into that space. It would get published on the day, and then you think your job is done. Um, it didn't really work like that, if you if you really be honest with yourself, because um, you know with with print publication, though it has its benefits, you don't really have any any reliable stats about. What happened to your advertisement? What happened to your native content, your advertorial? How many people actually read it or who just turned the page, you know, um, without barely glancing at it? Um, almost all you could rely on back then was the, the actual uh, readership figures for the newspaper to say, well, we know that Business Day, for example, goes to, I don't know, 40,000 readers on that day. So that's, that's what we assume is our readership for our advertorial. And that's what we had for so many years. And I think, as you say, around 2011, that's when people realized that you can actually do so much more with online content in, in this commercial in environment. Um, and publishers also started realizing that, hey, you know, if we actually help our clients to produce better native content online, it'll work a lot better for them than some random advertorial that perhaps wasn't even written with the right audience in mind or with the right approach or tone or, or voice in that in that content. So I think that's why since then it's become quite a big thing. And for us certainly, I would say in our group from about 2014 is when we decided let's step up and offer a much better native content service to our clients because we have the expertise in-house. We are the guys who are the storytellers, the professionals when it comes to that. I mean, it's literally what we do every minute of the day on our websites and in our print newspapers. So why not apply the same knowledge to our advertising clients? 
um, we know that they can reach an audience in a very efficient way through content. So let us m help them make that better and achieve even greater things with that. And since we've done that, we've seen a, a really a probably like a quadruple increase in the volume of native content that we publish on our websites. Um, and we really try to to ensure that we we are that that partner, the one that offers the good service for our clients to help them with that content. So, um, so why are brands a bit skeptical about um, you know moving more of their budgets to native mm -hmm. content? It's entirely understandable. I think you know it is a case of something that you might not know very well, um, and therefore you don't quite understand what to do in in this in this area. You know, and this is why I mean I'm not. I mean, obviously, I'm talking on behalf of Arena Holdings today, but I do also speak on behalf of all other publishers because, as I said, that is something that we can do. So the way we explain this to our clients is to say, you need to trust us as your content partner. Um, we are making available to you our skills in content. Um, we want native content on our websites to, we always say, to inform, educate, or entertain our readers those three things are quite important to us because that's the same requirement we have of our news content. If it doesn't do those things, then why would we even publish it? You know, And the same goes for, for native content. And now the, the area where clients may get somewhat confused is they don't know necessarily how to write a good article. You know, They don't know what kind of headline works online these days. What will people actually click on if it comes across their social media feed or in a newsletter or on Google search for that matter? So this is where you need to trust your publishing partner because that's the kind of the kind of assurance we bring from our side. If you if you can see that there's value in in native content for you because it brings you benefits like being able to convey a more complicated message to your audience, um, to reach a bigger audience, um, to have I mean you can obviously tailor make your content around certain requirements and goals, for example, lead generation or brand awareness, but um, also consider in this modern advertising world of ours and, and digital advertising, which is very complicated, when you do native content, it also brings you other benefits like brand safety. Because, I mean, there's nothing more brand safe than having the entire page on a website dedicated to your own brand. Uh, and ad visibility for that matter. I mean, it's not quite the same that you talk about ad visibility with the banner ad, but in principle, again, you have entire view of the page for the entire session of, of the visit to the website, you know. so it actually busts those ad metrics kind of out of the ballpark already. And then on top of that, if you've worked with your publisher partner and, and you've come up with some good content, people will read it, you know. That's another concern sometimes that our clients have is that, oh, but if it's labeled, sponsored or paid for, no one will read it. That is completely a myth. We've, we've shown once many times that as long as the content is good enough, people will still read it. So essentially, that's that's the answer. Don't feel unsure about content, but do speak to your publisher partner because they'll know how to advise you. I mean, many brands liaise with their media agency before and most of them don't even see the publisher. So um, how, how are you, is this a challenge for you? How are you thinking of resolving it? It is, you're absolutely right. You, you hit the nail on the head. It, that can be a challenge because sometimes for us as the publisher, we work directly with clients which then makes it quite easy to exactly establish what it is they want to achieve and to help them guide them in the right direction. But in so many other cases, we deal with an agency. Um, and 
that's not always the easiest of relationships just because when we ask questions about but we want to understand the goal of this campaign or what do you want to achieve with it perhaps at that level we are so far removed from what the client originally briefed in that it's not easy to to kind of reopen that line of communication and the agency might not be very keen to do so so that's that's one typical problem and because at that point the agency may have been told already by the client that this is the article we want published no changes just get it done you know and then it's very difficult for us to go back and say actually this article is not very fit for this audience or it's actually sorry it's not very good it's not very well written it needs to be edited we need to change the headline the picture and so forth because at that point the agency you know you can't blame them they've had their their orders from the from the client and it's difficult for them to go back and say oh we're changing everything so it's understandable that it can be tricky but it is unfortunate that sometimes we don't have that ability to 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 actually reflect on the content before it's published and say can it be made better um but having said that i mean there are very good agencies out there who really are making an effort to work with us on content campaigns who who come with us with all the right information the right requirements and we can tell from from what they ask us for your post campaign reporting or even in campaign reporting that they are looking at the right metrics to say you know is this article is is it getting the take up it needs the reach the readership and so forth so how do you use data to feed into some of the decisions you make around your audience what type of content they like to see um you know what is the right environment for you to place that piece of content right so that is it it works in in two ways it works before a campaign during or three ways i suppose during a campaign and after a campaign so um we are very data focused as digital publishers of course as you can imagine we we live and die by our our analytics every day around our news content um, because it tells us so much about whether we're succeeding in our jobs or not every single day but it also supports our advertising strategy of course so we, when you come to us and say i would like to to run a native content campaign on your websites uh first of all we would give you existing data about uh our websites for example audience demographics audience size because all of these things will will determine the success of your of your campaign um this is the point interestingly where we often ask but what are the benchmarks for this campaign um and unlike with banner advertising um native content is a very tricky area to answer that question because if you think about it if we have investec as a client for example they might might want to publish an article on business life about um very complicated technical investment strategy that article might get 300 readers on business life but investec will know because it's such a specialist topic those are exactly the kind of people that they would have liked to read that article equally we have you know we often publish content for showmax um on the likes of times live and sweeten live their article is six best horror movies to watch this weekend that might get 50 or 100,000 page views um which for them is very successful for them 300 would be a big failure so it's very hard to say there's a certain benchmark for native content it depends on that the kind of content primarily uh, that's a very big factor and then your your intended audience and the website where it is on you know if it's a smaller website anyway and you're targeting for example let's say Port Elizabeth through our Herald Life website it's not going to get the same numbers you would get on Times Life so we use our data first of all to show you those options and to explain to you why we might recommend that you go on a certain website 
on a certain day in a certain section or uh, any of those of those of those variables during the campaign obviously from our side um, it's not often that our clients want to get data during the campaign while it's running but we monitor our campaign while it's ongoing to see is it actually getting readership do we need to do another social media post do we need to add some money for a social boost is it getting is it getting the attention it deserves and then of course post campaign reports um, we've actually sort of revolutionized how we do those in, in, in the past year or so because we used to just send you like a you know a, a few pretty slides with the numbers on them as our post campaign report but we've um, we've gone the whole hog and we do them via data studio on Google now so you know we can either export them for you as a PDF but we can also give you access to the interactive reports where you can click through yourself um, and that includes all the kind of stats and screenshots and links that you might need for all the elements of your campaign so that is already become a requirement with some of the agency groups also to do it in that format so it is a very data rich experience from the beginning to the end you know um, and then of course I mean it's not to say a campaign will always succeed and that's the data will tell us that if it failed you know we always try to make recommendations to you as the client to say why didn't it work um, and what we can do if you want to do more content what you can do to rectify that so in terms of data, have you seen any correlation between the types of content that's produced by your team versus the type of content that is given to you by client? I think it depends on the client, once again. You know, I mean, I've mentioned Investec before as an example. Um, they, for example, is, is one client that who have established a very good content unit within their own business, you know staffed by former journalists so typically with a client like that um, the content they supply to you is pretty much fit for purpose it's well written it's aimed at the right audience you know it's got the right tone and voice and and so forth um, but so many of our clients are you know are not content experts which is completely understandable so they tend to fall back on you know the fact that they had a press release that went out a few months ago and thinking oh that can just be the article um, and the way that the PR industry writes, you know, is a very different way from the way we write for actual readers and consumers, you know. So even though, I mean, pretty much any press release can be turned into an article, it can't just be used straight up, you know. It's just not written in the right way that appeals to a reader these days. So that's the kind of work we often have to do with our clients, to say, whatever you provide to us, because of course, I mean, there's two ways to do content, as we, we probably should have said already, A, you can provide us content, and we can also create the content for you, mm -hmm. um, in any of the formats that we already mentioned. But if it's provided, you know, I mean, it's generally, we ask people to, you know, in our group, we generally say, if you can, give it to us five working days before publication, because that gives us time to say, from an editing point of view, what can we do to make this article better? make those changes and then get your approval once again uh, before we publish. Okay, and in terms of production, so let's talk about that. If you've given the article from uh, whether it's a creative agency or client, whatever the source is, um, and you needed to fix it, um, and it's not like you mentioned earlier, it's not actually relevant probably to the audience, it needs to be um, edited um, how often do you then get positive feedback to do so I would say you know 95% plus of our, of our clients are are completely understand why we do it and they see the value in that so they're very happy to work with us when we say 
we've made some changes to your article, we need to make some changes. Um, and obviously they still get to approve. It's not like we would then just publish without their approval, you know. Um, because again, it, it, if we do our job as editors well enough, the benefits to the article are always clear. I mean, you can always tell this article now reads better. It's more appealing to an audience. There's a really catchy headline, perhaps, that wasn't there before. Um, or perhaps, you know, the maybe the, you know, the... Um, the client only gave us their logo as an image, which is not something that we know works well as the main image in an article. You want something, something real, a real photograph of, you know, even if it's stock, it just it becomes more appealing to the reader. So, when we do those changes, most clients are very happy that we've done that. Um, we do have a few that tend to not be happy with that. You know, um, we once had a, a, a luxury car manufacturer. I won't name names, whose local agency. Um, gave us a series of about six articles about different models of this luxury car to publish on our wanted online website, which is all about the luxury life. And these articles came straight from the from the office in, I won't say which European country, because that nails it down even more. But um, they essentially, you know, when you get the spec list for for a car with all the you know the the different aspects of what it can do and what it what it has in its engine, someone basically took that and wrote every every item on there just in a sentence. And those were the six articles, and they were horrible. And we really tried to convince the client to let us rewrite that in a more engaging way about these amazing cars, because I mean, we have a great motoring team; we can do that in a flash, you know. And we were absolutely refused, and we were forced to publish those articles as is. And of course, they underperformed so badly, you know. So sometimes those cases arise that we really can't do much about. Um, but we always say before the time, look, we don't advise going live with the content. We don't think it's going to be performing well. But luckily those cases do tend to be on the, on the, on the, on the, on the not, not so many of them, you know. Um, so I think um, as long as we do our work professionally, clients don't mind because they see the value in that. And um, I was reading up yesterday on how mobile... Um, behavior in terms of consuming content has also had an impact on native content. Have you also seen that? Look, the mobile revolution has certainly changed the way that people consume content on our websites completely. Um, for us, we now have roughly 80% of our audience on mobile, um, reading our news on mobile across our websites, and 20% on, on desktop. Um, some variations here or there, but broadly that's where we're at at the moment. Um, so, what we do is we ensure that we all our development of our websites and our publication tools are mobile first. We make sure, first of all, that whatever we publish looks good on a mobile screen before we even worry about what it looks like on desktop because desktop is kind of the luxury that most people don't even have anymore. You know, I always say to our journalists that you know it's I wish I could make them all work in the office on a phone only because you kind of fool yourself if you're looking at a desktop computer the whole time and you think that's what all your readers see because it's not that. Mm -hmm. So certainly f that's the first thing we make sure that then it, this go it goes to our native content offering also that it looks good on mobile. It has to. And and then secondly, also the way people consume content differently on mobile, um, whether it's through our apps, of course, which you know is a different environment in that someone in an app typically you come in and you do scroll through the, your home page. We make sure that the content is placed there, um, that it looks attractive on the homepage in an app. But for the general mobile web, of course, we know 
each article now becomes a homepage for us. And the same goes for your native content article because people don't, fewer people, visit our homepage as a starting point. They come into our articles straight into that article via social media, via search, via email newsletters, all of which are elements that we also use to promote our native content articles. So we just make sure in the same way we, that we lead a mobile reader to our news content, we do exactly the same process with our, with our native content. Sometimes even better because with the native content campaign, typically we have a budget for promotion for social media, which we can target to a specific campaign, of course, thanks to the, you know, the great tools out there at the moment. So, um, so sometimes it works even better in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I would see ads being intrusive. I mean, what is the size of a banner ad if you're looking at your mobile screen? Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. And people are still using small banner ads, which is then taking up my time you know, on screen time. Absolutely. And banner blindness is a real thing. Um, and I mean, just recently, you know, we were, we were compiling a list of FAQs for our ad sales team that, you know, things that clients ask that we, we have to explain. And I mean, we know that a click-through rate for a banner in our industry and globally is still woefully low if you think about it. I mean, you get like a 0.2 or 0.3% click-through rate on a banner ad, which is, you know, um, it's still a bit of a spray and pray kind of uh, exercise, even if it's targeted. And with native content, it is a different thing because, you know, if you if you do your content well enough, you've captured that person's attention for a good one to three minutes with a good enough article, which is... It so outperforms a banner ad in so many ways, you know, that you really can't compare the two. I think the difference is you're not actually pushing a communication. You're actually, consumers are opting in yeah, because... You're inviting them. You're inviting mm -hmm. them. They're wanting to read this piece of uh, content, uh, which is different. And, and I just want to touch on different types of content formats. With the rise in audio and podcasting and all of that, have you seen that um, changing in terms of what consumers are now looking for? Certainly, yes. I mean, so it comes from two sides. We know from the consumer side how we've been changing our news videos and podcasts to keep up with what people like to watch or, or listen to. And then we try to apply the same to what our native content clients might, might, might expect. We still reasonably often get the request of saying, can you do a video of our CEO in his office speaking for five minutes about, I don't know, our financial results. And we always then have to say, but that's not what people watch anymore. They don't like these kind of five minute talking head videos or, or are not really something that attracts a reader anymore. Um, we know that thanks to the humanities global failure to have any kind of attention span anymore, um, when we publish on YouTube, we can probably go to two and a half, three minutes if the video is really good and, and, and engaging. On on Facebook, it's really a minute that you've got to, if you're good enough, to, to hold someone's attention with a video, you know. So, A, on length, for example, and then the kind of the style of the video, we'll, we will then say what we've learned from our news videos, we will apply it to your native content also. Yes, we can feature your CEO speaking, but it can be some cutaways, and then we have to have some other engaging information in the visuals and so on. And then, of course, you know, if you look at much, much different video projects, um, for example, we did one with a with an insurance group where we, you know, it was all about fitness, and we followed a group of three people who were who were real couch potatoes, and and followed them over. I think it was about three or four months as they got fit and eventually ran the two oceans marathon. You know. 
which really made the most beautiful point for the insurer about fitness and, and so forth. But also it told a wonderful story for our for our readers through video because so many it, it had a it, those videos got a really really good following um, and we did some companion articles of course also because it told the story that many people can relate to like oh can I ever get fit you know I haven't been running for five years and here's a story about how someone who literally was in the same situation got it within five months running the two oceans marathon so again like with our content video and audio it has to engage it has to be something you can identify with as the as the re reader or the, or the watch or the viewer rather so so that's what we try to to convey what to our to our clients when it comes to video and audio um, don't again don't get stuck by thinking video and audio in an agent's advertising agency frame of mind think of it in a storytelling frame of mind yeah i mean that content needs to be um, authentic and it also needs to have a rich story behind it. I see that native content is pegged at a premium price. Um, can you tell our listeners, you know, how is this justified? I think it, it is a, it depends how, we, how you define premium, of course. I mean, it, it's not necessarily cheap. Um, we tend to have a standard rate across our big websites, being Business Live, Sowetan Live and Times Live. We all of all of which reach an audience of you know in the millions every month. Um, so the pricing we've 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 kind of devised around our content really takes into account that you are getting some very prime positions on our website with your content. Um, typically, the homepage of the site for an entire day, um, and then whichever section is the most applicable to your content for a week. Um, Plus, included in the price, then we, we will include your article within a, an email newsletter to our audience. Um, we do some social media posts. Um, we also include in that um, some kind of social media boosting budget, so we don't charge you extra for that. Um, and the other thing we take into account is that it's a fair bit of work on our side. Um, a banner ad is a lot is a lot simpler to brief in as a publisher because essentially you get an email from the client or, or the agency saying here are the banner ads they said meant to run for two weeks this many impressions and Bob's your uncle um, while with content it involves a lot of expertise from our side because you, you need an editor you need a sub-editor um, potentially you need someone from the multimedia team to work on this content um, so in terms of the the, the, the person hours one can, can't say man hours anymore I'm sure um, <laughs> from our side it's um, it's 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 quite a big endeavor. So so I think our pricing is not unfair in the sense that it has to cover all of those aspects. You know. Okay, cool. I think um, a lot of brands um, do premium buying, but they don't actually measure it properly. And maybe that is why they think it's too expensive because you need to ask yourself what you're going to get out of it upfront and we spoke about KPIs and how important it is for for brands and agencies to actually identify your your objective as well as your KPI upfront and then measure it after the campaign has landed correct yeah so I mean we need that's why we ask upfront what are you trying to achieve with your campaign is it to get more views on a video that you've already made that you want to share with your audience is it literally just brand awareness or are you announcing something new about your business that you want people to understand or, or read um, or is it lead generation you know um, uh, for example the work we've done with, with Showmax um, 
sometimes we have articles for Showmax that are strictly lead generation where you know it'll be a very clear message of if you click now you can get I don't know discount on your first month with Showmax and so on so some of these articles do the very hard work of, of strictly getting you more business and all of that's very measurable but we need to know that up front to make sure that we then angle the content correctly put it in the right places to, to achieve that effect so how how do you mitigate some of those risks in terms of you know ensuring that your content is ne- not next to fake news or that brands then perceive that fake news is so big i mean i personally can't distinguish what is authentic and what's not um have what in your experience how have you actually um, observed fake news and what do you do to mitigate it all right so fake news is a big problem of course for everyone around the world whether you're a reader or a journalist or, or anyone else um, what we've seen is that you know the media industry in South Africa you know we've had we've had our tough times this year in particular has been has been a terrible one for the media industry we've had so many issues with, you know, thanks to COVID-19 um, that made our industry, put, it, put our industry under even more pressure. However, what we've seen is that people still have trust in, in the mainstream media. I mean, obviously, you always have your commentators on social media who will call us the lamestream media and who will argue with every article we post. But overall, that's not really true for, for most people. Um, there's some brand new research from the IAB in the U.S., out um, in well, it was out last month actually, where they did a research about people's trust in the media, um, where they found that people read, you know, follow on average four news sources, um, and they have a high level of trust in those, and that brands that advertise in those titles online um, really stand to benefit greatly from their association with that trusted brand. So it, it broke that down into very many kind of aspects of you know, how much more likely readers are to then visit that brand's website or buy from them in the future and so on. And it was a very encouraging report to show that if you partner with an actual established, reliable publisher, you I think you circumvent that level of distrust that comes with fake news. The danger is if you only publish to, for example, uh, YouTube by yourself, perhaps, um, onto the YouTube advertising network. Um, that's where the kind of thing happens where you know, you have, a, I don't know, a Microsoft ad appearing to a jihadi video with showing extreme violence or something like that. But with a publisher like us, I mean, obviously we also publish some distressing content, though not fake content, luckily. Yeah, we don't really <laughs> don't do that, um, despite what people may think. Um, we can make sure that your content is not close to something like that or not, it is not surrounded by advertising for something untoward or anything like that. So, though we can't solve the problem of fake news on the web for you um, we make sure that your native content is in an environment of real trustworthy news and i think that's where the different com- difference comes in yeah i think it's very important for us to distinguish between the two um so rian in terms of uh, some of the local brands that are doing it right i know you mentioned showmax investec um Maybe share with us some of the brands that are doing native content correctly. Well, I mean, actually, I mean, I, I know I, I mentioned I mentioned Investec as a as, as one of the bank examples. Um, obviously, you you are affiliated to to APSA, so you know, I mean, I, I definitely didn't mean to exclude APSA as such because I think the banks are an interesting one in the sense that it took them a while to understand the value of content, and now I think the banks 
uh, pretty much through through the through the banking industry is starting to catch on to that that there's real value in there if you do it in the right way, um, which is very encouraging, of course, because I remember having conversations with marketing teams and banks, let's call it three four years ago, who seemed quite clueless at the time about what are you coming to offer to us? What's this native content like? I mean, what are we going to give you? We don't have anything, you know. And now I can see the change is there. People are starting to think that we're a bank. We have financial experts just about in every single office of our building. So mm -hmm. everything they say can be turned into content. There's so much value there to share what we have, what we have as expertise, you know, to mm -hmm. to help our 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 customers or our potentially our new markets with financial advice or anything like that. So. I think banks are really coming to the party greatly, beautifully, which is which is a very good thing. Um, the entertainment industry certainly have realised this a long time ago. This is why brands like Showmax and Netflix and so on, they, when I mean, they have the benefit of having cool things to say, you know, so <coughs> it's easy enough for them to, to to actually write something about a good movie or a, a series or something that's exciting. Um, beyond that, insurance industries uh, certainly they also see the value of content. Um, I think it's they realize that when you look at insurance, there's so many human interest stories that that you can actually link to an insurance experience, you know, and that's the stuff that really tells a good story. So there's quite a few insurance companies that we've done great work with also that, um, you know, that, that certainly help with that. We did work with One Life, for example, uh, a couple of years ago, but it was a great example of of a client letting us, letting us run with an idea. Um, the One Life, payoff line is was or that probably still is changing lives so they said to us you know what can you what can you do with this video in a video format that shows about changing lives you know um, and that really tells a good story so we did we produced and proposed and produced a series of 10 videos featured little feature videos about people in South Africa ordinary people in ordinary jobs who but who make a difference in the lives of others and for example, um, a nurse in, a, in, in, in the Cape Flats ER, you know, who every night sees the gang victims coming in with bullet wounds and so on, um, and how she kind of, how she lives a life and how she keeps up her spirits in those circumstances while helping these people. Um, or, for example, a retired boxer who now runs a boxing academy for youths in Alexandra, you know. So we found we found a, a lot of those people who, who do kind of unacknowledged but very interesting things to change other people's lives. And we made 10 videos that told their stories, short videos, maybe about three minutes each. Um, and we worked the messaging of changing lives and one life into all of that because that's the client was great in the sense that they allowed us that leeway to do that. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and that worked very well. We got, we got over a million views on those videos um, and the response and the, the kind of the you know the, the take up of the client's messaging was fantastic. They were very happy with that. So this is what I'm saying. That's an, an, another example of a good client because they came with a good idea, but then they trusted us to develop the idea for them and to work on the storytelling aspect of it. Yeah, telling human stories. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So Rian, in closing, what would be your advice to brands wanting to use native content? I would say don't be scared to, to just jump in and try it. Um, contact the publisher of your choice. It doesn't have to be Arena, but of course we're there for you. Um, and listen to what they have to say. I mean, go to them. Don't don't spend too much time fretting about what how it might work or what you have to produce or write. 
you don't have to write anything, of course. I mean, you can just go to Hubbard and say, we, we would like to, this is the messaging we would like to get across to the market. You figure out what's the best way to do it. Is it a feature article? Is it a, some kind of fun listicle article? Is it a video? Is it a podcast? Um, and let them come back to you with the options. And then then you can just see, okay, well, these are all the avenues open to me. And from there, you can you can go forward. And I think, think long-term is my other advice. Um, you may not have success always just with one single article as a one-off you know uh, we've had clients where we've published weekly content for them over a year or two years and with that kind of thing you always hit one article which, which did, just didn't resonate with the reader so much and underperformed you know but as soon as you have a longer relationship you can you can have enough content to kind of rectify any kind of outliers like that so think about long term ask your publisher like sure we can do this one article now but if we wanted to keep up some kind of presence in the market you know through content what can we do over time it doesn't have to be every week it can be once a month or you know three times a year or something but there's definitely definitely opportunities there and also i mean typically i mean i'm sure it's the same for other publishers if you look at the long-term thing it becomes more economic anyway because we're very happy to start looking at discounts because it's with a longer-term relationship it becomes a bit easier conversation to have so so yeah don't be scared um, trust your publisher and uh, just do it hmm. so basically you know what you are open for direct uh, conversations Absolutely. Um, and then how do they reach out to publishers well I mean typically our, our digital sales team are the ones that, that drive that initial client relationship um, they are the first point of contact for you and I'm sure it's again it's the same at, at our other publishers in South Africa um, and then Basically, typically, as soon as they know what the client is asking for, they'll then come to our native content team and say, you know, either just share advice that we can give back to the client. Sometimes we're also happy just to do a full-on meeting with the client, with our content people and their content people to, to have a, a better conversation if it's not so clear, perhaps, what the client needs. Okay, cool. Thanks, Rian, so much for your time. Sure, thank you. Okay, bye. We're excited. You're excited. Value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe, follow our Instagram handle at talkdigitalza. Engage us on our website at talkdigitalza.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.